<sighs> Welcome to Zen Hustlers Balance Podcast. My name is Jared Brake, the creator of ZenHustlers.com. And we are a free resource community website where we help entrepreneurs, professionals, busy parents, people who are on the edge because they want to have a really high value, high impact life. They also want to be highly productive, but they realize that burnout, overwhelm, stress, and anxiety is taking away from their productivity. So who do we talk to on this podcast are the people who walk in the top. They are the highly productive, highly impactful people in business and in life, but they've been through a personal journey and they're here to share that story back to you. So today I get to introduce somebody I'm really impressed with and inspired by. His name is Lloyd Lobo and he is joining us all the way from Dubai. Thanks for joining us today, Lloyd. Love it, man. Thanks for hosting me. Thanks for having me, Jared. Lloyd is also a podcast host, and I'm actually going to read his bio because his bio, I want you to really hear how much this guy's up to. When we talk about the hustle, we talk about high-impact productivity. I want you to hear all these things. Okay, ready? Lloyd is an entrepreneur, a podcast host, a community builder. He experienced the Gulf War as a young refugee, witnessing the strength of community and evacuating a population to safety. He was the co-founder and is the co-founder of Boast.ai. It leveraged this community-led growth model to bootstrap the company to an eight-figure revenue while also co-founding Traction. This community is empowering to over 100,000 innovators through connections, content, and capital. After exiting Boast, he's been writing a book on community-led growth, chronicling the success in communities big and small like Harley-Davidson, Nike, Peloton, CrossFit, HubSpot, and many more to teach readers the 13 key rules to building iconic brands with raving fans. He's been featured in multiple media outlets. He is a podcast guest and host across the world on some of the top podcasts like Entrepreneurs on Fire and Marketing School. He's also the father of three. Again, he lives in Dubai. And man, how do you do it all? Like that is such an unbelievable amount of stuff. Like if you died today, I hope you'd be like, dude, I did everything I could do. But I guarantee there's a bucket list somewhere that you got way more you want to even do. You know, there's there's a bucket list of probably one thing I need to do, but I'm <laughs> I'm pretty content. And uh, you know, it, it seems like I did so much; it doesn't feel like it, right? Because when you're having fun, uh, it doesn't feel like it. When you're when you're building community, when you're doing it with the people you love, my brother helped me realize my true purpose in life, which is bringing people together to create impact. Right. Yeah. So I really enjoy it. And if you look at it across my life, all my businesses or anything I did, I incorporated community. Community was a GTM motion at every company I worked for. I, I've only ever worked at startups. Right. So my life yeah. was I was born in Kuwait. Yeah. In my, yeah I want to hear the I want to hear the the founders, you know, the um, birth story. Let it tell. Give it to us. Give it to us. Or the origin story was I was born in Kuwait during the Gulf War. We evacuated. I mean, the community came together to evacuate the country to safety. Um, moved back to Kuwait after finished high school there. I didn't really finish high school, so I I bunked and skipped all the, the final exams. So I didn't graduate with. Um, I didn't really graduate. And we moved to Canada. And I tell my dad, I think I should repeat a year of high school. And he's like, I think you failed. That's why you're not applying to university. <laughs> like, ah, oh, geez. So then I started applying to universities and colleges and. You know, one of the 
colleges asked me to come in and write some entrance exams and they asked me for my transcript and I said, hey, there's political unrest in Kuwait, so the transcripts are not here. I did well on the entrance exam. I will, it's not that I was a dumbass. I was a I was a bright kid. I was just a rebel. I just I'm yeah. very anti-system, right? Growing up, like I, I'm I'm always against the grain. So I write these entrance exams. I did well. I got into engineering. They forgot to follow up after a semester. I graduated with an engineering degree. in you went to school in Canada, in 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 Canada, in university in Canada. And then I graduated engineering in Canada. My parents are from India, right? And and so you know how like very conservative they are when it comes to education and two things: yeah. education and marriage. Nothing else. Education. And marriage. <laughs> you got it's like it's it's literally like a gospel, right? Like it's like yeah. the Ten Commandments of Indian parents prescribing education. You can only ever be an engineer or a doctor, or a lawyer, and you can only ever marry like X kind of. So what were what were mom and dad? My, my mom and dad weren't educated. That is the thing. That was the, my parents grew up in the slums of India. My dad was an executive chef and my mom was a homemaker. But uh, even more, right, they grew up with the stigma they could never have education. And so they wanted us to be the best of the best. Yeah. And and, and so I come to Canada. That's just so, you, just so you, that's a heavy burden, man. That's just like coming from, coming out of poverty. You're the first generation going to college. You've got all this on your shoulders from your parents. Did you did you feel that weight? You always feel that weight. And my my whole thing was, you know, I heard this all my life growing up that there was this definition of success that I had to meet. And yeah, I fought it. I was I was always a rebel, rebel against the system because the system tells you to do things one way. So what was the best way I could rebel is I just missed all my high school exams and didn't finish. But then magically, mysteriously, you know, a great part of life is luck. We don't talk about it. We always say we're self-made. Self-made is the biggest bullshit in the history of the world, right? Yeah. There's no such thing. It takes a community. It takes a village. It takes a network to make things happen. And and luck is when, I guess, timing meets some level of <laughs> social engineering. Yeah. You did. And it comes together. But but luck is is a big part of it. And I'll, and I'll talk through this conversation of how luck has changed my life in many ways. But Luck, luck would have it. They forgot to follow up um, on my transcripts. I finished with engineering. Now, here's the thing. I don't want to work as an engineer. I only went in engineering because my parents forced it into me. My, I, I went which, in a, which kind of engineering? Mechanical, computer? Like, where, where, which part? Uh, computer. That was the best thing I could do. Be, okay. be, so having the degree gave me credibility to break out into the tech and startup space. But yeah, I can't I can't code, man. I don't know the difference between <laughs> so, between software and underwear. If you ask me back then, I couldn't code, right? Uh, I, I didn't enjoy it. It didn't bring me joy. I yeah. wanted to actually become an executive chef. And my dad was a Michelin, not Michelin star. Back then, there was no Michelin star. It was yeah. a chain de rotisserie. He was a chain de rotisserie chef. And I loved, I drew joy from cooking as a yeah. kid. But my mom's like, I never saw your dad and you never saw him. He was always busy being a chef, working for like five-star hotels and whatnot. So if you become a chef, your wife will definitely leave you, right? I, <laughs> I know it. I know it for a fact. We're too traditional back in the day. We don't, Indian people don't get divorced. But like, trust me, you're going to end up moving to Canada. I don't know who you're going to marry, but she will not put up with this. Yeah. And I said, what do you want me to do? Maybe I'll do business. And she says, everyone is a businessman. Get yeah. some skill. The one thing she told me, which was true, get some skill. And and so she convinced me to go into computer engineering. Luck would have it. I got it. There's something to my mom, man. Like 
over the last 20 years of my life, or I mean, 40 years of my life, every time I have some hardship, my mom's a very pious praying woman. Yeah. And anytime I ask her to pray for something, it just happens. There's something, there's some magic in that woman. I don't know what it is, but she is my lucky charm that's engineered all the luck. So I get into, I'm like, I'm like, I don't have transcripts. I don't know how I'm going to get into engineering. Yeah, yeah. But I get into computer engineering, graduated with computer engineering. Now, here's how anti-system I am. I don't want to go the normal path of, you know, getting a job and programming and doing all this stuff. So I, I had known a couple entrepreneurs back then, traditional, not tech entrepreneurs, that, hey, what is the best skill to become an entrepreneur? And this yeah. is sales. Sales is the best skill. So I started applying for sales jobs, you know, unbeknownst to my parents. Yeah, obviously nobody's going to take an engineer doing sales. sales. But yeah. I, got, I, I got a job cold calling for a company that made PLCs, Programmable Logic Controllers. These are like, I guess I would call them, I would call them the first generation of AI in the sense, they're the things that control all manufacturing plants, right? If this, then yeah. that, bully, bully yeah. logic. Yeah. So I got a job making cold calls to sell that. Man, I loved it. My parents it lost it. My parents lost it. They're like, Dude, you graduated engineering, and we're going to hang our heads in shame. What are we going to tell all our relatives and everyone? You graduated engineering, and your peers are working like, you know, other friends of ours, uh, their, their kids who graduated engineering at Microsoft here and there. Yeah, yeah. Discussing their packages. And here you are making $30,000, like, dialing for dollars. Yeah. What is wrong with you? It was painful at first. I, I'll never forget the first... Uh, sales call I made, I practiced all freaking day. Yeah. And to muster up the courage and the script, right? Everyone has a plan. Like Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until you punch in the face. I finally yeah. get to the connect with the decision maker. And as soon as I hear their voice, I hang up. <laughs> he froze. I froze and I hang up. Yeah. But then, but then over time you practice and I kid you not, man. Um, after that, I only ever worked at startups. Even that was at a small company. It was a small business, right? I only ever worked at startups. And then, of course, we bootstrapped both to eight figures, 10 million plus in revenue. Tell us a little bit about that business. What is that business? So Boast is a fintech platform that helps companies get money for innovation and R&D. Okay. Right? And so we bootstrapped that. And then at, in parallel... We built a community called Traction, and we grew it to more than a hundred thousand subscribers. And Traction is a community for innovators. So, yeah, you know, it, it was it. our tribe anyway. But that first job after graduating engineering was cold calling, right? So, you realize today, like fast forward twenty years, it's been my most valuable skill as a founder. You're always selling, right? Think about it. You're always selling. You're always trying to raise. You're either selling your employees on a project. You're selling vendors. You're selling investors. You're you're, and, and this, I, I, I honestly detest when people say, oh, I hate sales. I'm like, well, then crawl into a cave because life is about convincing other people to do things that you want them to do. You have a vision. Yeah. Right. That only yeah. you can see and your co-founder can see. Yeah. But the reality today is nowhere close to that vision. And you got to convince people to go on that journey with you. You yeah. got to convince your spouse to keep, I had like multiple failures. I've only worked at failed startups and done failed startups <laughs> before both. So yeah. convincing your wife to pay the bills, to support your dreams, your entrepreneurial dreams, despite failures is sales. 
getting journalists to cover you, building partnerships, pitching yeah. investors, everything you said, even when you just have an idea and you're acquiring early customers yeah. to validate your idea, it's all selling, man. So, you know, yeah. learning to sell pushes you to think on your feet. It helps you pivot on the fly and yeah. polish your messaging. And you know what it also does is it, if as a founder you're selling, you're getting your first five, 10 customers, it helps you polish the messaging. It helps improve the onboarding and ramp time of anyone else you bring to fill that shoes, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, man, you can't hire some magic sales leader to generate sales for you if you haven't put in the effort to convince a few people yeah, to buy from you. Yeah, that is they understand the value. So you you mentioned to me that that was a difficult journey when you decided, what was the shift why you wanted to step away from Boast? So here's here's the backstory on it, right? I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll share exactly, I, I guess I'll, an interesting way to share the story, and hopefully you can edit out the, the thoughts in between, but uh, the interesting way to share the story is one day I walk into a board meeting and it was time for me to step away from the company. And I froze, like time froze. I hit rock bottom. It was probably the worst news I've ever heard in my life. I spent the last several years being the front man for this company, being yeah. the face of the company, putting my family on the line. And I yep. go home and I hug my wife and I cry. I literally weep with tears rolling down my face. And I say, I apologize for all the times that you needed me and the kids needed me. I wasn't there. I put the company first. Mm -hmm. Today, the company doesn't need me. And you're the only person standing here today. Well, sorry, something must have happened. I'm, I'm missing a gap here. And so fast, there must, you know, have some, there must have been some pivotal moment or aha of like, wait a minute, something's wrong, something's off. You know, when you rewind the, the story a year, yeah, we had bootstrapped the company. Yeah. During the pandemic, we were working like 10x harder, right? Because yeah, you yeah. start to get paranoid, the market doesn't exist. And we grew like crazy. Through the traction community, we met our investors, the growth equity firm. And with growth equity, unlike VC, is a way to get a mini exit, right? Where you can liquidate some of your stock while still holding stake in the company to run it. So we spend all that time doing crazy due diligence to make this deal happen. Uh -huh. And my wife would always tell me, stop to smell the roses, right? Yeah. You're never around. The kids barely know you. The last several years, you've spent no time with us. And I yeah. tell her, trust me, when the deal goes through, I'll take everyone to Bora Bora, which was our dream destination. Nice. She's like, nobody cares about your one Bora Bora year. What we yeah. care about is having dinner with you without the phones. What we care about is having breakfast with you. It's actually quantity. It's actually quantity. That is actually what the secret of fatherhood is and as being a parent. It's quantity. It's quantity and versus like one trip. But I didn't listen. Yeah. Deal went through. Bora Bora hat never ended up happening. We booked everyone oh. to Bora Bora, but two days before the Bora Bora trip, I got hospitalized with bilateral COVID pneumonia. My lungs were shot. I was on oxygen. Oh, jeez. And my wife's a physician at Stanford, and yet she can't come in to see her own husband in the hospital where she's a doctor. I had because to of COVID? Because of COVID. So I'm... The people who are tending to me are people wearing these spacesuit-looking things. 
a 24-7 Zoom was set up and now my parents are home and everything and all I can hear is people cry in the background. Every time the Zoom would accidentally shut off, I'd get intercom to switch it back on. My oxygen levels have dropped. My lungs was in, were in miserable pain. And man, I sat there and said, what have I done? Yeah. I hit my personal definition of success, but if I died today, none of this would matter. I didn't spend enough time with the kids. Yeah. Fast forward a couple of months, I think the investors freaked out because I was a single point of failure. I ran product, I ran yeah. marketing, yeah. I was the face of the company. So we started filling my roles. We brought in you know, executive suite from multi-billion dollar companies. Yeah. When we got to eight figures in revenue, we were 30 to 40-ish people. Mm-hmm. Fast forward six to eight months, we grew to like 120 people. Wow. And 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 so now that was December, the, the whole Bora Bora, January 2nd, the whole Bora Bora incident. Yeah. August rolls around. My eight-year-old comes to me and she's like, Dad, everything you said during when you were sick in the hospital is a lie. I'm like, wow. Oh. She's like, you've gotten worse. She's like, I don't see you all the more. And I yeah. was like, sweetie, we've got now 100 more people in the company. We got to make sure that things are on the right track. So we make them whole, right? So they, they've put their faith in us to join us. Yeah. She said, Dad, Dad, why don't you work for somebody who thinks like that so I can have my dad back? And my my heart sank, right? So yeah. that was incident. That was that was incident two. You know, I realized that after I came from COVID, is like I started to feel lost in the company, right? Because you know, we, we had hired all these execs. Like I went from running product and marketing and partnership. Yeah, and you're used to the startup world and it becomes a mid-sized company now. It doesn't feel like a startup. Yeah, I'm used to being a pirate, zero to one, executioner, right? Like I yeah. I believe in execution and we went from execution to process and we went to a bunch of execs who were doing their thing, not really reporting to me. And and now I'm like, what is even going on? Yeah. Then we do an offsite and, you know, I'm always phones down like this on the table. Yeah. And we do an offsite in Austin. I pick up the phone late at night and I see there's 20 missed calls. Uh-huh. My wife's best friend, she calls me and she's like, where the F are you? This is the uh-huh. third time you're doing this. My wife had gone into labor for a third kid and for the third time, and I you weren't there. there. Wow. I wasn't there. I hopped on the next flight with was first thing in the morning and I barely made the birth of my third kid. Wow. And and so like, you know, as I'm trying to reflect, I'm like, you know, I didn't learn the lesson from COVID. Like everything I said was truly a lie. Couple of weeks rolled around and I just wasn't gelling with the execs, man. I'm a zero to one guy. Yeah. I like executing with my bare hands and seeing it executed. Yeah. And the company was high execution, low process, and overnight for me, at least coming back from COVID, felt like a high process. Yeah. No, yeah. no execution. Yeah. Um, the, the, the things that I would do with my bare hands, people, the execs were hiring people to hire people to do the job. And I'm like, dude, I can just go in and fix these things on the website. But no, they needed to hire somebody to do the job. And and so it drove me to frustration. And I was at loggerheads with them. But I do understand, right? Like as an early state founder, you're a pirate. You're sticking yeah. elbows, you're poking knives. There comes a time where you have to transition to being a Navy, to be a high scale company, to get to hundred yeah. million and whatnot. I, I just personally felt that we could have stretched the pirate phase a little bit longer. So I wasn't getting along with that. Yeah. So a board, a board meeting, a board meeting came together where the conclusion was basically I need to step down from the company. Yeah. What was your title at that point? 
I was the president of the company. I was co-founder and president always. So I was a co-founder and president of the company. My, my other co-founder was CEO. We're, yeah. We both left the company since and we both moved to Dubai. I'll, I'll share the story. Yeah. But um, when, when that hit me, I'm like, I got, I just face planted. Imagine like, you know, I, I was so emotional that my first reaction was to hug my wife and cry. And I apologize because COVID, being on the deathbed at COVID didn't make the decision for me. Somebody yeah. else has to make the decision for you, right? Um, and, and, and I hugged her and I cried and I said, I apologize for all the times I wasn't there for you. Today, the company doesn't need me and you guys are the only people there. Yeah. And then over the next few months, I ended up becoming depressed. I became extremely overweight. I became this un insufferable, irritated character. I just wasn't easy to talk to with my family. Yeah. I, be I became this, this depressed, drunk, overweight character. Traveled whenever, left the house, did whatever. And one day, I think like last, I think it was... March or April or something, March it was, that my wife comes to me and she looks at me and she's like, look at you. You've taken more than enough time to mope. Yeah. But what you're not appreciating is the glass is always half full. You're looking at not being in your company to carry out the vision that you had co-founded. Uh -huh. But you, what you're not realizing is that you have the opportunity to do anything and go live anywhere. But you're not appreciating that. You are moping about what you don't have instead of appreciating what you have. Yeah. And if anything happens to you because of your bad health choices, me and these three kids are the only ones going to be left crying. So I yeah. beg you to do something, to pick yourself up and do something about it. You got some, that smart, women, you got some smart women in your life, my friend. Man, she literally is my rock. Yeah. I did multiple startups that failed. You know, as a, as a male founder, our job is only one. And that one job is to build a successful business. Bring forward. A woman, though, my wife's an ER physician. She's bright. Yeah. She got into medical school in second year of undergrad without MCATs. Bright kid. Um, she obviously has a demanding job being an ER physician and being an associate professor for medicine. She also looks after the kids and the family. And for the 10 years, she also paid the mortgage and every single bill, right? Wow. I had only one job. So imagine this. I had only one job. One startup failed. Another startup we did failed. Trying to do an events company because we were good at events. And the co-founder ran away with a quarter million in profits. And you feel like you can never catch a break. And then finally, you catch a break and, and you sell 50-ish percent of the company. And you're like, oh, I'm going to celebrate. And you almost die of COVID. <laughs> and, and then and then you come back to this chaos and, and, and cloud it. And you're no longer in the company. You end up depressed. And now the market also falls, right? Mm -hmm. The market falls. And so you, you don't have that kind of liquidity that you started the year with. And then I realized, man, all my life I chased success looking for happiness. And that is the universe's definition of success. Somebody else, the VC's definition, my parents, basically it's money. All my life I chased success looking for happiness. Yeah. When, when, when that definition of success came, all I got was depression <laughs> and anxiety. Yeah. And, and then I realized, man, success finds you if you're in a happy state of mind. Ultimately, what is success? Success is not money. Success is freedom. 
freedom to do what you want, when you want, where you want, with whom you want, on your dime, in your prime, on your time. <laughs> right? And, and so when my wife said the glasses are full, that afternoon I had lunch with the president of Atlassian. Atlassian yeah. is a $40 billion company. And she told me, take a take time off and disconnect from all this. Just leave. Yeah. Go, go, go some go someplace else, right? Yeah. D- yeah. Disconnect. Out of dodge. Change your environment. Yeah. Yeah. Change your environment. And she said, after 15 years of experiencing burnout working in tech, she went to resign to the CEO of Atlassian. And they said, no, 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 don't resign. Take as much time off as you need. Yeah. So she wrote down the things that brought her joy and, and she left. She packed up and she like, you know, went to Africa and she went to Antarctica, did animal rehabilitation, spent time um, stargazing under the Tacoma Desert, came back to become the president of this $40 billion company. And she told me, self-care is never selfish. It's good stewardship towards the only way you can create value in the world. That day now, two very powerful women. Yeah, like President of Atlanta and Tommy this. Yeah. My wife telling me, you know, if pick yourself up, the glass is half full. Yeah. You're moping, you're moping for something you don't have, forgetting that you're in a position to leave and go anywhere. Yeah. And I'm sitting here in a dark room thinking through this, and I spot my Peloton bike. And over the last few years, literally, I think we bought it in 2018, it turned into a clothing rack. There's all kinds of stuff, tags, everything on it. So I'm like, you know what? Self-care is never selfish. Let me hop on this bike. It's right here. Yeah. So I hop I hop on it. I switch it on. This instructor, Robin Arzone, comes on. I think she has a master class now. Yeah. And she was brought her vulnerable self, right? She started the conversation with, I am i don't feel as strong. It's my first ride after maternity leave. And then she says, self-pity is toxic. You don't yeah. need that. It starts with one, one crank, one shift, one rider on the block. I am, I can. And those yeah. words started like hit me, course in my veins. Yeah. And on the background, the eye of the tiger was playing, not the the new eye of the tiger, but like Rocky, the old Rocky song, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the our generation. I'm, yeah. My son, my 12 year old loves that song. He loves it. Yeah. My kids love it too. Dan, 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 dan. And so I started to crank, man. And And you know what I realized through that is, I felt instantly connected to her. There was a sense of autonomy. Nobody was micromanaging me. With each passing ride, I was getting a ma- to be a master of my health yeah, and master of the bike. There was a great sense of purpose here, which was the only way to create value in the world is, is to focus on my health, right? Self-care. Yeah. yeah. I was energized by the music, by the instructor, by the riders on the side of the screen. And I was constantly rewarded by... Peloton, right? There was high fives and there were streaks. Yeah, badges. And I wrote that down as like camper, connection, autonomy, mastery, purpose, energy, recognition. If you institute this camper framework in your company, in your culture, you'll have happy campers for life. And it's part of uh, a framework in my my book I, I wrote down, connection, autonomy, mastery, purpose, energy, recognition. But that 20 minutes of high intensity training with Robin Arzell, Turned in, felt like 20 seconds. One ride turned to two, turned to four. Yeah. Over the course of the months to follow, you know, this this whole thing of glasses half full became my morning ritual. I wake up, I thank the good that happened the previous day, a person, a thing, an event. Mm-hmm. I pray, meditate to take out any negative energy. And I play the eye of the tiger and bang out as many push-ups as I can. By that time, I'm warmed up. 
and energized. And the first thing I do is go to the gym. And yeah. there's a big reason for that. I read a study or, or actually a friend of mine had sent me a study saying the Naperville High School, um, they introduced something called zero hour P, meaning before you start to flip even a page of a book. Workout. Yeah, get your blood flowing. Get workout. And those students, it became one of, it became some of the highest IQ students and highest performing students and highest performing schools in the world. And I'm like, that worked. And I started to clean my diet and I realized our Western diets have so much processed food that create inflammation in your body. Started cleaning up my diet, fasting. Yeah. Those things work. Sleep, sleeping better. Then I started to <laughs> audit my life and be like, what are the things that take energy away from me? Then yeah. I started to cut out negative people. Like, you know, like, there are these energy vampires. You have a conversation and you're like, you just feel bad. But there are yeah, people it's almost, why did I share? Why did I just share that with that person? Because exactly. now they just all my good all my good vibes I had are gone. Okay. Yeah, are gone, right? They're just like they're just like running you down. Whereas there are people you talk to and you look at the time and it's 10 hours have passed. So yeah. I started to audit that. I started to audit the things I consume and I started to realize our Western media have a lot of negative energy, right? Left wing, right wing, yeah. Cancel this, cancel that. People, it's almost like you went through this life audit of everything, right? That's what it I sounds like. You went through this audit of like your health, your diet, your sleep, your nutrition, your relationships, and you just started like removing the toxic parts of all of it. Sounds like exactly. And you know the reason why I did that was after I had this realization that, hey, I came into money, but I couldn't go on that dream Bora Bora trip because of COVID, yeah. right? Out of the company I started and built my whole identity around, right? Yeah. I ended up depressed and the market crashed. So what good was chasing money? All my life I chased success, money, looking for happiness. Yeah. When I realized success is freedom. And so how do I institute freedom in my life? And I started to write down all the things that brought me joy. And it was fitness, it was family, it was friends. And so yeah. I started to say, these are my non-negotiables. Yeah. Anything that brings me closer to that, I do. Anything that takes me away from it, I don't do. I'll cancel yeah. meetings. I'll cancel meetings if it's on my gym time. I just won't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and 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 then the environment was a big part of it, right? So sometimes you know we do these three M's, right? Um, meditation medication and masturbation masturbation is euphemism for all the other things you do as a coping mechanism to deal with your environment yeah. medication you know you take prozac or ssris to deal with this and and meditation i truly believe you should do it's it's a good thing to do but if you're meditating as a coping mechanism to deal with the environment then that's not getting to the root cause of the problem right and so my white cups it's, like, it's like a band-aid you're not really attacking the problem Exactly. And I lived in Silicon Valley. All my neighbors were entrepreneurs or execs, and they all had the same definition of success, which yeah. is, it's, you, you know, you, our days look very similar. You start an hour early, you leave an hour late, you spend time commuting, you drop pick your kids, even weekends are grocery shopping, you yeah. have enough energy left to do one nice dinner, and you take two or three week vacation. Yeah. You buy nice houses and tie yourself to multi-year mortgages. You pay more than 50% of your income on sales tax, income tax, property tax. The yeah. rest is gone between kids' school fees and yeah. car payments and everything else. And you're on this hamster wheel. If it, no time to work out, don't eat healthy, retire at 65. Everyone's pitching for the 65. And at 65, your dream is you'll live in Bali or 
Mexico or Indonesia <laughs> or, or like Thailand or then you'll have freedom to do where and live where you want, right? Only then when you're done, when you have an exit or you retire, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then you think at 65 you'll have this, but you know the average life expectancy in the United States and Canada is like in the 70s, right? So basically you got maybe yeah. 10 years to live, right? Yeah. yeah. And 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 that's when I realized that this is the environment. And everyone around you become the sum of the five people around you. Everyone around yeah. me is, is doing this, and that I, I've now cut out everything negative. But I can't. I need to eject from the environment. And my wife was like, "Listen, let's go to Dubai." Like we were both born in Kuwait. We have a lot of friends and family in Dubai. We come here okay. very frequently. Yeah, Dubai is Miami meets Vegas meets Mumbai on steroids. It's a, <laughs> a, a, it's a cleaner, safer Miami. It's Disneyland for adults. Okay. I kid you not. I mean, I'll you'll you'll probably see on my LinkedIn my before after picture before Dubai, after Dubai. Okay. And uh, and I'm gonna drop the link here, and you'll see how yeah. it changed my life. Okay. So so the one thing is Dubai is like Truman Show or, or Disneyland for adults. People yeah. don't discuss bad news, right? Really? It's a people don't like. There's no negative energy in the social. Nobody discusses bad news. Now a lot of people say, "Oh, that's not real," but I'm like. What is real? Consuming bad news every single day and bickering with people online and on social about politics. You know what the co the compound interest on that is on your brain? You become yeah. an angry person. Right? Yeah. So no, nobody really discusses bad news. The second thing is a land of convenience. Everything is done for you. And you don't have to spend a lot of money for everything to be done for you. Everything from my doctor to my Cairo to household help to picking, dropping the kids is done for me. Interesting. Everyone, I live on the beach. Every everyone around me is fit. If you yeah. go to any gym in Dubai, you'll see for every person working out, there'll be a personal trainer with that. So that person ends up becoming your coach <laughs> and your and your shrink and whatever, right? So now you got three things, and uh, you you got no bad news. You got a place that is extremely fit. Yeah, a place that is designed to give you more time in your day. It's extremely yeah. safe. The number of times I've lo I've like left my wallet, like when I moved here, my brother lives here. So when I moved here, we were out at the beach and he left his wallet on a uh, table by the by the pool. And he went in for a swim. When he came out, I had put his wallet in the bag and he's like, where's my wallet? I'm like, I kept it in the bag. He's like, you freaked me out, man. I thought for the first time in Dubai, somebody stole my wallet and that would be unlikely. Like think wow. my, par my parents visited and twice they lost their phone and somebody came home and delivered it. Yeah, it's right, extremely right. safe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just like delivered, literally dropped it over to to the doorstep. Um, extremely safe, right? And and then it's a very good community vibe. Within a month of coming here, I guess because through my traction community, I had a number of subscribers here. Yeah, knew they made intros, and the first thing you know, yeah. we celebrated my son's first birthday, and there were seventy five people who showed up. That's and amazing. I built this like friend. It's a it's a community driven culture, and so then you realize. What are the things that bring me joy? Friendships, fitness, family, yeah. family, less right? family Those, and community. Yeah, yeah, well, fitness, family, friendships, right. community, right. And, and, and so when you don't have to pick, drop your kids and run around and do this day by day work about work that we do fuckery, and you have yeah. more time in your day, what do you end up doing? You do the things you draw joy from. Eventually, you'll stop lying in bed and sleeping forever, right? You'll you'll end up doing things that bring you joy. And yeah. so what happens? You go work out. You have the time to socialize every freaking day if you want. You spend more time with your kids. You, yeah. you 
eat clean and right. And that changed 10x the quality of my life, that change in environment. Now, you don't have to move to Dubai, but there are several places in the world where you can live cheaper, where people choose to live and work different, right? And you don't have to eject yourself for like ever either. You go and yeah. experience it. Two, three months. Yeah, ago. I mean, we 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 made a similar decision. We were in the Bay Area and I was feeling the hustle. And that's when Zen Hustlers was born, when we decided we wanted to leave the Bay Area. We chose the Redwoods of Santa Cruz, 70 miles from San Francisco, 30 miles from Silicon Valley. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, I'm now in the environment you're describing. It's healthier, it's more connected, it's slower pace. And I get to choose, like, how do I want to live? And I had to ask all the same questions. So yeah, you were 30 miles away from the place that we chose. That was our Dubai. And, and you know, like Father's Day on Sunday, we had six families. All the kids are out surfing together. And it was like, it was like the realism of the dream. And, you know, but it takes that shift and that pull away of like, no, something's off. It, it doesn't feel right. And I've got to now pull it back to like, what's important? What do I really value? And, you know, most people say, look at your calendar and your bank account. Those are the two, those are the two areas you can look for what you really value. You know, what do you spend money on? And what do you spend time on? And exactly. so, no, it's brilliant. So you've, you're kind of advising the two companies. You still do the podcast. You're writing the book. How do you, how do you just quickly, how do you know when you start to get into that hustle mode again? How do you know you're not slipping back? into the overwork cycle. I, I think one year of compound interest on, you know, what do you call it? Flow state of waking yeah. up, morning ritual, working out, socializing every day. Yeah. Now my my habit has turned then. Like, I kid you not, every week I'll cancel meetings that are booked on me. If it's over gym time or workout or social, I'm like, no, listen, this time doesn't work for me. I've canceled yeah. like podcasts, canceled meetings. It's a non-negotiable. I have to wake up and work out. If I don't work out, I can't start my day. Like, like yeah. don't book me. That's it, right? Um, and it's not that I'm product not productive. I produce like two YouTubes a week. I produce a podcast every other week. I wrote a freaking book, right? I'm, I'm even more productive. Yeah. And, and the book, I think the key impetus behind the book is when I ended up in Dubai and, in, you know, I felt like I have found flow state. I had found... All my life, I felt like I was chasing. Yeah. When I came here, I felt flow state. And I look back and I'm like, why am I here? Every time I was down, what saved me? I was a refugee of the Gulf War. The community came together to evacuate the country to safety. Yeah. When we were two, two guys in a spare bedroom trying to compete with the big four accounting firms, right, uh, automating government funding and tax credits, which the big four did, Nobody would talk to us. We built this traction community. And as a function of building this traction community, we built relationships, partnerships, network, and we got a lot of clients and were able to bootstrap. So the second time community came for me. And when I was depressed and hit rock bottom, the community, the Peloton community was there for me. And I realized I owe it as an homage to write about community, right? And so yeah. my book is called From Grassroots to Greatness, 13, 13 Rules to Build Iconic Brands with Community-Led Growth. And it covers stories from Harley Davidson, how they almost went bankrupt in the 80s and the management very deliberately restructured the business on the ethos of community. And the, the Harley riders saved the company, right? They created Save Harley campaign to Peloton, to Nike, to HubSpot. I talk about 
how brands of yesterday were built on what they told the world about themselves, blasting ads in your face. And brands of the future will be built on what the community says about them. How yesterday's innovation, whether it's the GPS or the mobile phone, is always tomorrow's commodity. But if you build a community, you won't become a commodity. Look at Apple. Look, look at all the Apple competitors. They advertise the features Apple doesn't have. What does Apple advertise? The joy to the community. And, and yeah. my, it was like, I'm like, if I don't write a book on community and after I have all this spare time in my life where is, is a result of the community helping me, then I, w I wouldn't be doing service to the community that helped me. So I decided to write a book on building and scaling communities because I think it's something that the world needs to listen to. It's brilliant, man. Thank you. We're going to feature the book as soon as it comes out. Do you have a, a date in mind? Yeah, so we're launching it on September 12th. Pre-sale okay. will be August 6th. The book, like I said, grass, From Grassroots to Greatness, 13 Rules to Build Iconic Brands with Community-Led Growth. It will be on communityledgrowth.io. Communityledgrowth.io. Got it. Got it. What's one thing you want to leave people with as like a motto, a mantra, your last two cents you want to leave people with that they're going to step away with today? Like, because you dropped so many, man, you dropped so many great bombs on us today. It was great. I mean, we're going to go back through this. There's so many good moments that you had just gone through the three M's, you know, going through the, you know, the down cycle, the up cycle. So what's one thing people, you want people to step away from thinking? I, I want to say a couple of things. I want to reiterate the fact that life and business is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. If you sprint a marathon, your organs will die you'll, and you'll die. Basically, you'll destroy yourself. Yeah. So I understand when you're starting out, you got to sprint a lot. You got to will your product into existence. But there comes a time where to play the marathon of life and business, you got to prioritize certain things to put you in peak mental performance, right? So yeah. if you want to go and participate in the Olympics and be a champion, you got to train. You got to yeah. go boxing. You got to train. Any sport on the planet, you got to train. Business is the only sport where people train by working 24-7 and eating junk food. That needs to stop, right? So wake up in the morning and work out. Clean up your diet. Eat eat anything that comes out of a can or a packet, don't eat, right? Eat fresh whole foods. Sleep well. Change what you consume, meaning the content around you. Surround yourself with positive people. And if you can, every once in a while, maybe three, four weeks, disconnect. Go in an environment where people think about life and work very differently. Trust me, if you don't, put yourself in peak performance, you won't be able to take care of yourself or the business. And unfortunately, you might eventually face plant or burn out. Unlike me, you might not be lucky to get a second and third chance. So take care of your health. Choose, you know, I want you to write these things down. One, what are the things that bring you joy? Write yeah. them down as your non-negotiables. Two, to avoid this forever chase, write these things down. What is your personal definition of success? How much money do you want in your bank account? How long do you want to run the company? Is there a version of the company you don't want to work for? These things were posed to me as questions by a great entrepreneur, Jafar Owanadi. He was the founder of Lupio, which exited, and then he's doing Barley right now. Uh -huh. He asked me these questions at a critical point, and I wrote down the answers. And trust me, Jared, I, I wrote it in a book, and I forgot about it. Yeah. And when I moved to Dubai, 
At least on the book, I'm guessing. I, I saw the book, and when I read the questions, I had goosebumps, my answers. Yeah. Literally, I should have left the company. The universe literally was telling me through COVID, through like hospitalized, saying, you found your answers, move on. Yeah. Through losing my identity with hundreds of people in the company, you move on. Through my kid telling me, dad, leave. Through then, none of those work. And then like the board literally said, it's time for you to step down. Because my answers was, what's your personal demo? How much money do you want in the bank account? Check. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm not a guy who indulges in booze, babes, and blow. I have a very modest lifestyle. Yeah. So yeah. I don't need I don't need very much, right? What is a family guy? My, my most of my time is spent with family. So what is how much money you want in the bank account? Is check. Is there a version of this company you don't want to work for? Check. Right. Yeah. It was check because I was a zero to one guy. I liked working as a pirate. As soon as it was yeah. time for the company to be at Navy, I was no longer needed there. And if yeah. I had found that book, I would have I would have probably ignored it too. But yeah, if, if you you weren't ready, you probably weren't ready, even though you wrote it down. But I'm like, every time from COVID to my daughter, like, it's like the universe was giving me these signals that, hey, these were your answers. It's, but I did. Yeah. And so, so, so write these answers down and put it in front of you because it's very important, right? Things that do things that bring you joy. If you keep doing things that don't bring you joy, eventually you'll burn out and write down what success looks like for you. How much money you want yeah. in your bank account? Is there a version of a company you don't want to work for? Because the worst thing is working somewhere where it doesn't suit you. Yeah. And, and and every opportunity you get, like choose freedom over money. Money is good only so long as it buys you freedom to do what you want, where you want, with whom you want, and when you want. And then the last one, and, and this is how looking back, luck was engineered for me. Yeah. From my parents growing up in the slums of India to community. It's been community, community throughout. But there's one common theme to make any community work. That is the only way to create abundance in your life is to help others without expecting anything. The only way to create abundance is to help others without expecting anything in return. If you do that, you'll create community wherever you go. And you'll engineer luck in your life. I met all the people in Dubai through the community I created. Our investors yeah. through the community. Yeah. So that's luck. It's brilliant, man. Thank you. You just you're you're dropping so many bombs today. It's great. I just want to appreciate you and um, your journey. And I know your family's happier, your partner's happier, and everyone around you, I'm sure, is happier that you made it through that journey. Because to be honest, the opposite would have been you in the grave, you know, and that would have been it. And you wouldn't have been here today talking about these things. So thank you for going through it, not around it, not under it, not over it. You went through it and you're, you know, you're paying it forward back to everybody so that they don't have to try to dodge the bullet. They can actually get to their goal faster. You know, I don't know how many people will listen and act. Ultimately, yeah. you got to, you got to fight your own battles. The yeah. one thing I say a lot is pain is the precondition for growth. Everything good lies on the other side of pain. And, and we in business, we, we say this a lot, right? And, and so I want to, you know, share this maybe to close out yeah. something about pain. Um, there is this BS business trope called growing pains, right? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very, very important to realize the difference between pains you self-create as a function of being arrogant, as a fun function of being yeah. ignorant, as yeah. a function of not listening. Those pains make you weaker, not stronger. They wear you down. 
Growing pains are a function of taking on difficult things and overcoming them. They make you stronger and help you scale greater heights. So, you know, be, like pain is the precondition for growth. Just make sure the pain is not from stupidity and ignorance, yeah. right? They're real and, growth experiences. Yeah, that you're actually pushing outside your comfort zone in a way that's going to gen be generative. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Matt. It's, it's so great to hear all this. We're going to be posting about the book. We're going to be posting, you know, the links that you'd like us to share and people can follow your journey even further. If I ever get to Dubai, you're the first person I'm calling, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent, make a, make a trip here, hang out and we'll break bread together for sure. Awesome. So yeah, follow uh, Lloyd's journey, wait for the book. The podcast is out. He's got YouTube channel and just want to say thank you. This is the reason why we exist to pay it forward for people who can get through the journey more productively by learning from people who've already gone through it. So you don't have to fall on your face and you don't have to go through all the pitfalls through those growing pains and you can do it in a smarter, more efficient way. And so thank you for listening today, everybody. Feel free to follow us and message us and our communitas in zenhustlers.com. We hope it's a good resource for you at any point in your journey. Ah. <sighs>